Greetings, ladies and metal gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Solo Apocalypse, taken from Royal Road. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 7 I couldn't decide whether Horace would be a dead weight or not. It was a heartless notion to even consider what I was considering. Leaving him behind it would be easy. I could argue that I'd work better alone anyway, that he was a risk, that whatever the strange solar class was, it clearly described a lone wolf, one who excelled alone. And Horace, Horace was a loaded gun that could turn on me at any moment, a risk that could kill me, whether by dragging me down at the neck or a bolt of energy to the head. My decision was ultimately swayed by something I hoped wouldn't change, even in the apocalypse. I wasn't a bad person. I could say that confidently. I warred with that morality, cursing myself, acquiescing to it, to putting myself at risk, but prideful at who I was. If there was one thing in my life that I could be proud of, it was that. No matter how many times the world kicked me down, no matter how hard it got or how angry I felt, I didn't bring it to bear on others. Younger me, had been hot-headed, emotional, prone to violent outbursts, but that had always culminated in broken furniture or something similar, never injuries on someone else. Now, I looked at Horace and realized he'd die without my help. He could barely walk. He was stranded here, and he didn't have the means to explore safely. Meanwhile, as I sat here, I had a clone exploring the surrounding area, testing foodstuffs and scouting the geography. Third, was constantly gathering information, assessing the terrain, and watching for threats. I tensed as, back in the lab, second cut Horace's bindings. I was ready to react, to dodge, or do anything. Instead, Horace rubbed his wrists. Thanks. Then it looked like the weight of the world came over him. What are we supposed to do? My idea was already in progress, exploring the new world from the safety of the slab. To him, however... It couldn't have looked more hopeless. We were both stuck in here for the time being. Maybe we should uh, get some sleep. I'll keep watch, said Second. And then what? Horace asked. And then we'll have to see how your leg's feeling, I responded. I made him wince and I could see the thought cross his mind as if it had been written there on his forehead. We won't be leaving you, I assured him. He relaxed, somewhat, and we both had the pleasure of sleeping. The mind was a strange thing. More went split across three bodies. Or was it consciousness that was split by will? Nevertheless, I was getting some much-needed shut-eye. The original me, that was. Second watched Horace and third explored. Outside, I was muddy and sore. My stamina was shot, but I took plenty of breaks. It was humid, a pleasant temperature, but ultimately wet. As a result, sweating and swearing as buzzing flies assaulted my face. The science building was surrounded by an evergreen swamp, trees with root systems that weren't only expansive, but large too. Some rivaling the size of houses, moving across the terrain came in only two flavors, navigating sucking mud and murky waters, or climbing the roots. I stuck to the latter long enough to witness some of the wildlife. I was high above, far from the shoreline after witnessing the shadows that moved under the water. I wondered if I'd missed them if my perception had been cut in half. Thankfully, 
I had enough to watch it emerge, a squat, four-legged reptile sharing some traits with an alligator. Only this thing looked more like an ancient and vicious, thicker, and more reminiscent of something in a constant battles. It ripped apart a water bird, one which I couldn't tell was alien or not. I wasn't familiar with the kind, but seeing that was enough to keep me away from the shore. The noise of searching water, a snapping more, the crack of its jaw closing scattered every other bird within earshot. I crouched above, in a nook between roots. Verdant blades of grass grew across the top of these roots like a perfect carpet. Moss filled the blank vertical area where the grass couldn't grow, with colors varying from blue, green, purple, and yellow. It was nature sublime. The forest felt alive. The trees reached towards the sky, and if I moved far enough, the science building disappeared altogether. The air was clean and fresh, in a way that gave me an indescribable rush, like I'd been inhaling fumes my entire life. I kept my eye out for any dangers, resources, or landmarks to use. And that was the thing. There was a lot of each, but no obvious escape other than just going. Striking out into the unknown forest. The thought scared me. Third returned to the science building, scouring it again for resources, weapons, protective gear, anything. I managed to get my hands on a gun tucked away in the security guard's car, nearly eaten by overgrowth behind the building. There were two clips of ammo. I pocketed it, trying not to stare at the body as I stripped the guard of his vest. Then I found a random bag on the plaza floor and went back into the swamp. I filled it to the brim with berries or fruits I found and had no discernible side effects. I'd spent hours watching small mammals eating them, observing whether the wildlife fed upon them or not, and then tried them myself. By the time I came back, it was already hours later. The sun was setting, throwing shadows across what was left of the campus I knew. I moved quietly down towards the lab, intending to drop the food off for myself. And then I froze. Down the stairwell, there were webs, thick, strong strands, pure white, hanging from the walls and stairs, and I immediately pulled my gun out and uh, saw legs, huge, meter-long things that bit into the walls lightly. Two, three, then four emerged. I was running before I could even think. Inside the lab, I woke up, staring at the door, breathing heavily. It was like waking up from a nightmare, only it was real. One of me ran, far, far from the building, slowing down in the plaza, staring backwards in fear. The other two sat frozen in dread, like a deer in the headlights, or flies in a web. It was the thing that had killed me. There was no mistaking it. I'd gotten enough of a look to know what I saw. A giant, fecking spider, except its legs were sharp enough to slice through my chest and take my head off. If memory, so fresh, rushed back to me. I started hyperventilating. I had died. Why hadn't I barricaded the cave? Why didn't I post someone outside? I should have kept watch outside the lab. I hadn't heard a single thing. He must have emerged within the last handful of hours. Horace blinked. Oh, what's wrong? My clone grabbed his mouth and pointed to the door. Kneeling beside it, he whispered, Giant spider. Two words, nothing else. To his credit. Horace didn't even argue or ask questions. He just went quiet and watched the door, glancing at his leg. I let go of him and stayed noiseless. We sat there in silence, my mind trying to work through the fear. I had a gun. 
there was something. If it didn't kill me before I could figure out whether the bullet went through the brain or not. I tried to calm down and failed. I knew nothing. Not even how it looked. Just a vague impression of it swarm from before it had killed me. But it couldn't be anything else. My heart beat spiked again. What the hell had I gotten myself into? And how was I getting out? End of chapter. Chapter 8. I was watching the stairwell from down the hall, searching for anything that might be of use. Of course, I found nothing that I hadn't already run into, which was to say I was stuck. I was understandably hesitant to try the only course of action that might have some merit, to use myself as a distraction, to sacrifice the clones for the original. It was the only thing that kept coming to mind that wasn't immediately rejected. The thought of dying. It was paralyzing. Too much had happened that my mental health was hanging on a thread. The strange side effect of multiple me's mitigating some parts of that trauma. Third spoke as an echo of my own thoughts. It's this or death, he said. The line between me and my clones blurred again. This time, it was like watching someone else feared us in the assurance of the original survival. Well, as fearless as I could manage... A white-knuckled grip to match the thick strands surrounding the stairwell. I kept the weapon pointed down the stairs, touching one of the strands. It stuck to me like slime, pulling me until finally tearing silently. Too much of those and I'd be bogged down. I passed through the stairwell, checked below, and was greeted with an empty hallway covered in webs. The light was still on, blinking ominously, working electricity. The building had its own generators and batteries. Come to think of it, that was why there was fresh water too. There was a water tank on the back of the building. None of that helped me. It just distracted me from the fear. I picked my way through the webs, some thick across the hallway, others lying on the floor, some hanging from the ceiling. They were all gently waving, and I realized there was a draft through the cave. I froze as I remembered the last time I felt that. I whirled around and found nothing. No sign of the monster that had been my undoing. My gun was shaking almost as much as my legs. I forced myself onwards, clearing the hall. I didn't dare round the corner. It was too much. Instead, I kept my gun pointed down the hallway as the laboratory began to open. Second greeted me, glancing towards my back. His face was bleeding mess, a reminder of what this wool had done to me forced me to endure. Then came Horace, and finally, the dull thud of a body hitting the floor might as well have been a blaring siren. All of me turned, second from the rear, third from the front, and the original from the doorway. Horace had fallen over, eyes wide and staring at the webbing caught on his good leg. On the other end of the hallway, legs, they came around the corner like fingers grabbing onto the ledge, slow and methodical as if suddenly roused. All of me realized it at the same time. Run! I bolted down the hallway, maneuvering through the webs I already knew were there. The original me, though heartless, was the number one priority. Second helped Horace up, half lifting him and half dragging him. Third was firing bullets, rang down the hallway, pinging off the metal to the tune of some high-pitched screaming. The legs twitched backwards, then surged around the corner, as something with too many eyes appeared, even 
for a spider. Its mouth opened and tongue dripped a hissing acid on the floor. I screamed. I wasn't sure which one of me did it. Third was cursing, as I'd never done before, fumbling over another clip of ammo. Second was pulling horror, staring back wide-eyed. I escaped to the plaza, far, far away from the science building, and found somewhere safe, and then I watched. I'd made it. The scythe whipped forward on a leg with more segments and range of motion than I ever could have thought. I fell to the floor, having tripped on something, a web probably. I glared up at the monster, faltering at its many eyes, and raised my gun. Every pull on the trigger elicited a high-pitched keening, a violent twitch or jerk, but never its death. My eyes caught something on the floor, not two feet from me, and I realized why I couldn't get up. I stared in horror at my own legs, severed at the thigh. What the feck? Decapitated. Third didn't see it, but second did. Outside, my hands were over my head, tears falling down my face. Fetal position. I didn't want to scream, not out here. My head had... My head had been cut off. People weren't supposed to be watched themselves die. Horace was yelling something. Out of the way! Second scrambled forward, going for the gun. Horace, go! I'll hold it off! What part of me thought that I could do that? How can I feel so hopeless, yet so absolutely safe? I had escaped... But the part of me that died would stay with me forever. I wasn't a bad person. Maybe that was it. But could anyone be expected to stay true to themselves faced with this? I was crying, letting the emotions hit me. No, not letting. They just caught up to me, crippling my mental state. The other part of me grabbed the gun as the bleeding monster seized onto my legs, even as part of its body was blown away by a bright burst of energy that melted its torso, legs stabbing into me and screaming. It ripped into me, acid burning away my chest, fangs impaling my organs. The pain was like nothing that I'd ever imagined was possible. I shoved the gun into the side of its head and pulled the trigger again and again. Die! Die! Die, you fecker! I gave out first, and whatever else happened in the hallway, I couldn't see. Horace was still down there, but I wasn't going back. I I, I couldn't. I, I wouldn't. No. You're, you're free, Evan, I said to myself, alone now. Just feckin' go, my voice cracked. Just leave him. You don't owe him anything. Even when I could do it with no risk, when I could just send myself to haul him up, the thing was probably dead now. And if not, no risk by my mental health. Second spoke as I shuffled away from him. I, uh, killed it, right? I asked him, hoping by some small miracle I could lie to myself. Third answered, I don't know. And that was the worst part. I didn't know. I didn't want to die again, to watch myself, to feel. I threw up. Dry heaving, chest twisting. I hunched over the floor, hands splayed. I glanced over to my cells. They looked as terrible as I did. Drained eyes, faded, pale. That wasn't how I remembered myself. I looked like, uh, like death. We sat there for minutes on end. It felt like hours, contemplating, weighing, warring with myself, cursing my cowardice, hating this apocalypse, dancing around the answer I both cursed and hated more. And then eventually, my clones stood up and started making their way to the science building. Two versions of myself that knew that they were expendable. It didn't stop the fear of death. 
They went down the stairwell, freezing at the weak keening noise. It was alive. They came into view and, above, I threw up again. Half mangled, half melted, riddled with bullet holes, he was eating a lifeless Horace. He'd been stabbed once through the leg, another time through the heart. That anger came back, the cruelty of this world, the horror, the rage. A flame so bright it burned my chest, so bright that it hurt. The color red lined my vision, and suddenly I didn't care anymore. I launched myself at the weakened thing and tore at its face, bare hands ripping away eyes as it jerked back in pain, nails scraping flesh and blood. I plunged an entire arm into the exposed socket, fingers ripping and tearing at anything and everything I could feel. My other arm pulled at its other eyes. Its scythe-like legs tore into my own. I ignored it, feeling the deep wounds color with blood. The other me screamed cracking its skull with a crowbar, sending it heavily to the floor. Blood leaked on the ground and its mouth opened with a fleshy squelch. I couldn't say when I stopped tearing at the corpse. When I had enough, I stood over the mutilated carcass and I realized that something that tore at my soul. I could have saved him. I breathed. Broken. End of chapter. Chapter 9 the morning winks of light came down in sunbeams, piercing the canopy above. The sound of birds and life filled the forest. Somewhere, something splashed in the murky waters. Insects buzzed, trees swayed in the breeze. Then I stared at the floor, where the brink of the plaza was cut cleanly, spliced with a muddy shore. None of it was a nightmare. It was all real. That certainty pinged my head with mounting dread. My mind flashed back to the horrible scene, eliciting tremors in my hands. His face, lifeless, unaware of being eaten, nibbled on. I could have saved him. If I'd been there earlier and hadn't spent so much time afraid. If I'd gotten there quicker. If I'd killed the thing faster, I whispered, eyes aimless. If I stood, look out. If I stayed and helped drag him out. I'd been a coward. If I'd paused to help Horace through the webs, he could yet live. Instead, I left it to my clone. To half of my strength, racking sobs gripped me. My stomach twisted in pain, gouging sorrow and emptiness like a knife to the chest. Like two fangs to the chest. I doubled over, grabbing my sides. Why? 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 I repeated softly through tears, face scrunched up in indescribable pain. I wanted to feel it. I needed to know, for it to mean something other than a pointless death. My tears ran dry. The pain faded, and I felt wrong for it. Wrong that something like that could just fade. That I had no more tears. Hunger eventually called me back to the present. Third was already there, handing me a bag of berries. And second, he, I, was there again, standing over the body, forcing myself to remember crying. I stayed there so long, seeped in blood and gore, that the memory itself burned itself into my irises. I would never forget that scene. I couldn't anymore. The smell, the sight, dark blood ran across the floor. My eyes stared at Horace, and I found myself whispering my apologies. My gaze as dead as his. You have leveled up multiple times, level eight. Notice, you have gained a class skill, low profile. Skill, low profile, 
You are immune to unwarranted magical and technological scrying. Abilities, spells, or equipment that reveal your location or details are negated. Your presence can only be detected by physical senses. It was like a punch to the gut. I didn't want it. I wanted none of it to be real. This was nothing compared to what I had gone through. No comprehension could ever match the horror. And looking at it, the part of me shattered again, wondering at whether the new skill was tailored to what I had done. Hide. Run. Cower. Left a stranger for dead, all to escape. Unnoticed. To keep a low profile. The guilt hollowed me, even more when my stomach rumbled, that I had the audacity to feel anything but guilt, that I had the right to feel hunger. I ate mechanically, the small motion of picking berries and fruits from the bag, distracting me enough to be functional. I chose a small blue one, reminiscent of a blueberry. The sweetness burst across my mouth as tears fell on my face. It was the most unfair thing I'd ever tasted. I was crying across all of my clothes. Every now and then, one would pause, stare at something, and then keep moving, gathering firewood, tinder, bringing it below. It was the only thing I could think of, the only thing I thought might erase the atrocity and purify the evil I witnessed. I sparked the tinder and watched the entire scene go to flames. It became hot, smoky, and I was forced to leave, to stand outside and watch the building burn. I stood near enough that my tears evaporated, enough for the heat to bear the pain, to cleanse me of my sin, to rid me of my guilt. It didn't work. I needed to go. I didn't know where or how, but I needed to leave. I was a man who had died three times over, all in less than a day. A walking corpse with a spider silk backpack full of water, fruits, berries, and any other useful things I could find. I wondered if that had been a hint at what lay beyond the cave. Spider silk. Spider. I watched the building burn down before I left. I needed whatever it was that lay there in the ashes. Closure. Assurance. I needed to know nothing was left. I ducked into the blackened stairwell, sending a clone, and found the scene gone. Replaced with piles of ash, drifting motes of grey dust filling the air enough that I returned with the lab mask. I forced my way into the wreckage and found no bodies, no trace of anything left. Even then, I wasn't sure if it was enough. I spent days, days, roaming the swampy forest. I called the thick roots my home, traversing the twisting terrain. It became easier as time went on. I stared at the sunset, cowered in the night as beasts howled and foreign noises took to the air. And I sat in the mornings, staring languidly at the forest I knew was hell. I hadn't known hell would look so peaceful, so unassuming, in the place teeming with life. I found myself with only my thoughts. I never spoke, not even to myself, not even for the false sense of company. Second and third ranged from the forest, on constant lookout, watching for danger or hazard. They often turned the other way, to spot him, a broken man, Stumbling across the roots, tripping, falling, sometimes laying down, he was slow, lethargic as he walked, a world without meaning. It was a harsh truth, when you could stare yourself in the eye and see yourself for what you were. That man was me. 
It took me up until that moment to find my anger again, to dare to survive. If only that I never looked so pathetic. I addressed my reality, my nightmare. For enduring the mental trauma of death three times over, your will has increased by four. Your will is now nineteen. Notice. For indirectly enduring the physical trauma of death three times over, your constitution has increased by two. Your constitution is now seven. Name, Evan Weist. Level 8, Class Solar. Strength 6, Constitution 7, Dexterity 5, Agility 6, Perception 9, Intelligence 10, Wisdom 13, Willpower 19, Charisma 4, Luck 4, Stat Point 7, Skills, Never Alone, Low Profile. Willpower was my highest value. Would a lesser person have shattered completely, never to put the pieces back together. The meaning of the value came to me almost instinctively like I'd know it all along. It was a measure of control, determination, and resolve. It was also so much more than just that. I couldn't put it entirely into words any more fitting than those. Only, no, it is an aspect of myself. That part of me that stubbornly refused to kneel before hardship, the part of me that balked at surrendering. The rest of the attributes were likewise encompassing. I knew too little, should I increase my constitution, boost my survivability, my strength, or my ability to run away, my agility? None of those helped me, not really. I realized as solo, I had to use Never Alone as a false multiplier, to scale what I already had. An extra clone gave me half again what I had in physical stats, another set of eyes, and another perspective. The line of thinking ran true. I did the math, brought wisdom up to seventeen and said hello to Forth. End of chapter. Chapter 10 The increase in my wisdom wasn't something immediately tangible. Over the course of the day, however, I became grounded in myself, an acceptance of this reality, my place in the chaos, and finally, how to proceed. I thought it was fairly likely I was just one amongst countless others whisked away by the apocalypse. A part of the university had been teleported into some unknown wilderness. It stood to reason, across the world, similar happenings occurred. Wisdom was understanding, judgment, and experience. A certain self-awareness of myself and the world it allowed me to calm down, as much as one could expect. Enough to question what exactly was happening. Despite that, there were a few answers forthcoming. This apocalypse came without warning, without preamble. I found myself with ample time to ponder. The forest was a swampy expanse, a place where life lurked under the waters, where howls broke the silent nights, and the rush of splashing waters was a sign of nature running its course. The forest breathed, and I was nothing but a speck of dust. Four specks of dust. There was second, third, and fourth now. I covered a lot of ground, avoiding many dangers. I had caught sight of those wolves in the daylight. One of the clones had seen it. A dark-furred creature that swam just as fast as it bounded across the roots, four-legged and many-teethed. It was a different, less horrifying sight in broad daylight, mainly because it was herding around its young puppies, no taller than my knee at that. The sight was sobering. We'd been dropped into a foreign ecosystem and been immediately identified as prey. The bottom of the pyramid we humans used to stand at the top of. I kept away from the mother and its cubs. 
The water bottles I'd filled up from the building were barely dented, considering the amount I'd scavenged. Still, my thoughts drifted to when my supplies of fresh water would run out. One of the clones had climbed to a high advantage after seeing more of those green humanoids. They were gibbering at each other, ugly and knobbly. Goblins, I reminded myself. The term was perfect for them. They seemed to be arguing. It was a group of five, again. A number I wondered was significant or not. It was the same amount that I'd encountered back at the campus. The same number I'd... uh, I shook my thoughts away. There was a clear debate going on. I'd posted a clone to shatter them. I wasn't sure exactly what was possible in this world, but low profile at least would curb those unknown variables and allow me to stay hidden. I wanted to see what the creatures did for food and water, seeing as they were the most likened to human, if only just. My original body was far from the potential danger, protected by three clones of myself acting as a safety net. I slept under the watchful, careful eye of none other than myself, and moved with just as much caution. The problem was that I had no idea how to get out of this forest, or if it was even possible. It could go kilometers of hiking until I found other terrains, let alone other survivors. That could mean months of isolation, weeks if I was lucky. I hadn't expected to find another building. Expectations were just another thing to be broken in this reality. The goblins led me there, a building I didn't recognize from my university or city. It was a different style, more modern. Made library, of all things. Its windows were shattered, Curved architecture reduced to rubble in places. It looked like it had landed here. Cracks over every surface. My clone, fourth, paused as it came into view. It was being investigated by the goblins, prodded at with a complete ignorance, as if they were unsure the wolves would bite. It was a caution that I didn't ridicule them for. It was necessary. The building was larger than the science building, a true library, a collection of knowledge, and I hoped people. I perched for long minutes, hoping to see any sign, even bodies hinted at the possible survivors. I found nothing of the sort. The place was abandoned, empty. The front entrance was collapsed, but the second story had a balcony. I found a route path that led me to the correct elevation and climbed inside. The inside was almost impossibly untouched. Dirt, rubble, moss, bugs, plant life, but nothing damaged enough to ruin a bookshelf. Some of them, however, were taken apart. Windows were boarded, doorways barricaded. There had been people here. Hope surged to my chest like a butterfly quickly preyed upon by a bird of reality. The one thing I could rely on was myself. I doubted that was healthy thinking, and it didn't help that it was the truth. Still, I continued to explore. Eventually, I found a clue I'd been looking for. Where had everyone gone? The answer stared at me. A note lying on an empty receptionist's desk in the middle of the library, weighed down by a paperweight. To any survivors, none of us know what happened. Some of us are talking about biblical apocalypses, a reckoning of sorts, the end of the world. No one wants to die, though. If you see this, we left the library because no one left felt safe here. We lost people to the wolves, to those green things, alligator things in the water. We headed north to try and get out of this damned swamp. Jonathan, sixth day of the apocalypse. And that was it. In this place, the library was no less than a castle. It was safe. 
I wasn't sure if they understood what a treasure that was. Yet, I could understand just wanting to leave. In the swamp, humans were prey, just like anything else. Jonathan had dated the note, the sixth day. How long had it been? A little over a week, I guessed. They'd left two days ago? Without a single word said, three of my clones and the original adjusted their bearing. North, it is. End of chapter. Chapter 11. There were five of me now, because, in the chaos of everything, I'd done my math wrong. The realization had come to me, not because of careful rereading of Never Alone, but from an attempt to clone myself further. Skill. Never alone. Even working alone, it never hurts to have another set of eyes. Better yet, even they're yours. You are able to replicate yourself to a certain degree and capacity. Max copies. Wisdom plus willpower plus charisma divided by ten. Copies have half strength, constitution, dexterity, and agility. All other attributes are retained. The math amounted to four copies. I'd been including my original self in that total, but I wasn't a copy. That meant that there was room for another. But the monikers had begun to confuse me, referring to myself entirely as first was what had led to the initial misunderstanding. I took my original self out of the system so that there were only four copies, the clones. First, second, third, fourth, and, of course, Evan himself, me. I questioned something, though. I'd tried, hadn't I, to clone myself again before I knew the limit. I remembered it clearly after creating third. I'd asked myself to do it again. I wasn't able to. Had I really been ignorant as to not try again... All that time, was there a limitation on the number I could create at once? You could have had an extra set of hands that entire time, Purse said to me. You could have saved him. Guilt washed over me, pushing me down. No clone of mine had anything to say to that. There was nothing but silent condemnation. I had already failed. This was just another way that it had happened. Ever since that first day, I hadn't died again. Somewhere along the way... That crippling fear of death became a strange acceptance, burgeoning confidence, courage against inevitability. I knew what it was like so I could prepare myself. I hadn't died, but I did see death again. I dropped from the tree, three of me, and landed on a pair of goblins. I needed weapons. I grabbed their arms first, twisting their tools out of their grasp. Then, still overpowering, despite my halved attributes, I snapped their necks. My selves looked at each other, breathing. The moment washed over me before I crouched down to grab their things. Knives of surprisingly decent make. Short and stubby. The handle was decent and the blade was sharp. What else could I ask for? There's no turning back now, Evan, I spoke to myself. I hadn't crossed my mind. I'd been hearing it too. I looked to my clone, knowing that never alone gave me unparalleled ability to talk to myself. N no turning back. I agreed. This marked me as not a killer, but a survivor. Someone willing to adapt to this reality and embrace it. I told myself that, unable to escape the wriggling whisper of morality. I looked at the men across from me. They were me, of course, but I barely recognized them, beaten, battered, rugged. I was scraping at life. Not in the physical sense, but the mental. The weight of it all threatened to crush me, and yet somehow I was still breathing. Ignoring it. I killed three more groups of five others over the course of the day. With a set of eyes acting as overwatch, three of me 
on the ground with sharp knives and a determination to do what needed to be done. It was terribly easy. Terrible. Because that's what it felt like. Notice, you have leveled up. Level 9. Nothing accompanied the message. It felt empty. I wasn't deserving of anything but that. This new circumstance was twisting who I was, and there was nothing I could do to combat that. What part of me remained, which part twisted, and what was lost? I couldn't say. I found signs of survivors on the second day of traveling. I was moving faster than them, I knew. It only made sense given my ability to coordinate information and terrain. It was the remains of a camp. A fire had been burning between the crevice of the large roots too thick and wet to catch fire themselves. There were muddy prints on the ground I recognized as shoes. That simple sight allowed hope to blossom again. People were alive, just like me. That thought alone comforted me, but I prepared for the worst. This apocalypse had changed me, brought out the worst in me. I hesitated to think what it might do to others. It chilled me. On the third day, I managed to hunt a bird. The meat was enough to make my tongue water, but I knew nothing of what was edible or not. I ripped the organs out, started a fire, and experienced the delicacy through a clone. Meat. I never thought I'd miss it so much. My clone, identical to myself, felt no side effects. I turned to the branches above the shore with great interest, tracking the locations where I'd seen those birds the most. It was no wonder the reptiles ate them so vigorously. They were delicious. I shared the bounty with my original self the next time, and it was heaven. A small luxury eaten with berries and fruit. The meal was so simple, yet so perfect. On the fourth day, I found them. A campfire around twenty people or so, and a handful of others watching the perimeter. A lot of people had that dead look in their eyes, staring at the fire. Everyone was muddy, wet, and looked miserable. I almost went down in person. Instead, after a moment's hesitation, a clone went down in my place. End of chapter. Chapter 12 Their sentries didn't even notice me until I was already right in front of them. I couldn't be sure if that was because they were relying on some form of detection that my low profile nullified, or that they were just unprepared. Hey, Rule, there is someone over there, I heard a voice call out. Another figure appeared over the roots. Lookouts. They held a hand over their brow, blinking in the sunset. I paused, looked up, and the relief in my expression was genuine. Survivors. A sign that, even in the midst of an apocalypse, humanity preserved. Another one, someone called out. He was waving me over. Get up here, man. Did you come from the library? His voice reached me, barely. I climbed upwards. Days of travel multiplied by my clones, and I was already an expert. A pair of rough hands helped me up towards the end. The stranger was among two others, looking me up and down. Y you came from the library? There was hope in their eyes, weariness in their posture. Yeah, I, I saw the note. From Jonathan, I think, I recalled, slightly out of breath. How many are there? I said warily. How many survivors? I wasn't sure why it meant so much to me. Maybe I was holding out hope that there were more than what I saw. Maybe I hoped that no one else had gone through what I had. Above, higher still, one of my clones watched. I watched as they welcomed me with open arms. As one of the sentries broke away and headed towards the main group. I watched me and the stranger, Nicholas, converse. 
He was recounting a familiar story, except a library instead of a university building. I grimaced as he described the lives lost, the people killed, the number that was left. I saw a dozen dead before I could even react. Nicholas was a bearded man. Aside from that detail, he looked exactly the part of a librarian, because he was, had been. He was calmer than I would have imagined talking about it. Wolves, but worse. There's how we put it, but much worse. We count to uh, 22. It should have been more. His wandering gaze focused on me, reluctant but curious. And you? I took a deep breath, trying to let go of the emotions that came to my memory. There's a university building, maybe a day or two from the library. That's where I came from, I replied bleakly. Same story, no survivors. None that I could save. My hand shook as the image of horror splashed through my mind. A deep sigh, and his hand fell on my shoulder. Well, that at least confirms what everyone's been thinking. We're not the only ones, he said, giving me a look. I'm still on watch, but one of the others will come and bring you to the camp. In fact, I saw them moving to us now, from a different set of eyes. The sentry that had left earlier. How'd you manage this far? Nicholas asked. The rest of us, we pulled together all these strange abilities and well... I assume you know about them, if you uh, lived this long, he trailed off. Base skill, I replied. Helps me stay out of danger, but uh, mostly just luck, I guess. And it was the truth. Better lucky than not, Nicholas responded. I saw movement not far from where I stood next to Nicholas, but from a high above, from second, who watched first below. This was the second time I'd seen one of these wolves, the one Nicholas had just been talking about. A wolf but much worse. It was fitting, larger, faster, deadlier. It even looked somehow more vicious and feral. And, unlike the last time I'd seen it, this one was clearly hunting. It was moving the same way I'd seen it do in the plaza. Slow, methodical, and locked onto a singular prey. Focused and intent. I traced its gaze and realized they were staring towards us. It was time I'd have to find a way to... Wolf! Nicholas called out, suddenly standing. He stared down, finding it stalking amongst the roots. Intimidating glare! He glared it down. It actually snarled at him, something like a cross between a roar and a hiss. There was a pressure to his gaze. I was nowhere near the focus of his skill because there was nothing else it could be, and I felt its effect. The creature turned away, glancing back, but retreating. Above, I sat amazed, quiet and thoughtful while the version of me below bombarded Nicholas with questions. So this was the power of another skill. I realized the other two sentries had alerted as well and were standing around. It made me wonder what they were capable of, what everyone was capable of. They brought me to the camp, and I let first meet the survivors. Meanwhile, my original self was being watched by third and fourth. It was a tight perimeter, and by now I had armed myself with crude goblin weaponry. All of me, that was. There was little in the way of armor, but that was what my clothes were for. As first talked with the survivors, trading stories and experiences, I realized not a single person there was keen on this new world. There were complaints, hopelessness, and general unease, trauma in the form of dead stares. As soon as we are back, I'm going to take a hot shower and forget this all ever happened. A woman spoke full of bravado, false hope. I'm sure the government will find a way to contact us. Tell us what the hell is happening. Someone else replied. 
You think any government would hold after this? Well, we know it could just be a couple of buildings. Between us and Ebony, there are only two. A man whose name I'd already forgotten gestured to me. I'm sure there's plenty sound reason for all of this, sir. Once we get home, people have died, I said, voice raised. I looked at them, fear in their eyes, crazy in mine. I didn't care. The emotions caught up with me, the bent-up feelings of the last week in this hell. I calmed myself anyway. There are people dead, and you're all acting like we'll be able to just go home and forget. Guilty stares, fearful stares. I realized I wasn't staring at a crowd of people more capable of navigating this apocalypse than I was. I was looking at regular men and women, men and women who, older than I, were no less ready than I'd been. It was a painful realization that in this crowd of survivors, not a single one stared at the apocalypse and dared to live. End of chapter. Chapter 13. The apocalypse was real. It didn't help me or anyone else to pretend that it wasn't. That was just a fact in my head. Obvious. The survivors from the library, however, clung to hope. Not for survival, but for a return to normalcy. I didn't know why I recoiled at that. It's because I've been waiting for this, Third said to me. Both responded, three of us sitting around a small fire. For something. For anything. I looked at them, mirrors of myself, covered in different dirt, yet undoubtedly me. If I can make it so none of this happened, I... Uh, would? Would you? I said to myself. I... Down in the camp, surrounded by survivors. Hey, uh, you alright? A voice sounded next to me. I turned and found Jonathan, the person who had left the nut. I thought that the group of survivors would have some kind of leader. It turned out that that wasn't the case. It was just a herd of people trying to decide what to do. Jonathan, like Nicholas, was just another one among them. Yeah, I said lamely, torn away from the conversation with myself. I looked at the figures huddled around the small fires, wet and miserable. Hot during the day, cold during the night. It's just, uh, I don't think are going to go back to normal. Jonathan was a younger man, but together enough that I couldn't tell if it was all a farce. It probably was, considering everything that had happened. His presence was still comforting, despite my pessimism. Neither do I, he said simply. But uh, some of these people cling to something, even if it is hopeless. That's how you get hope. I turned to look at him. A couple of us have been experimenting, he began. We're sharing what we learned so far with anyone who bothers to listen. These, uh, weird messages. This summary of ourselves. You've seen it, right? I nodded, interested. Had they learned something I hadn't? Most of the survivors were given skills. A few were given classes. I'm not sure if you've realized it yet. And don't be alarmed. But you're under one of my skills. I froze slightly. What is it? Relax, it's nothing harmful. Veil of safety. It's enough to cover the group and, uh, for the past couple of days, it's managed to keep us out of trouble, he said. I'm a protector. I took a breath of relief. That explained what I'd been curious about. The swamp was full of danger. I'd been ranging it for the past week, and I was surprised that they'd never attracted more than a single wolf. The goblins and wolves were the most aggressive, and they'd barely been bothered by them. Nicholas found us talking, striding over to take his seat next to us. I've been putting points in perception... Helps me spot anything dangerous before it be a problem. A couple of people have reported the same thing I felt when I placed those points. Incremental changes. 
just enough to be noticeable. All of my senses were minutely enhanced. Jonathan picked up. Strength, dexterity, all the rest are the same. It's like a video game, he said, sighing. I hate to put it that way, but it is the truth. Something was bugging me. Why are you telling me this? I'm a stranger. Not to mention that I was younger than both of them. They shouldn't be trusting me so easily. They looked at each other, Nicholas sighed. You're one of the few who see it as we do, he said bleakly. One of the few actually preparing. You wouldn't have made it here otherwise. And I understood, right then, what they meant. Everyone else was waiting to be saved. Nicholas, Jonathan, they were like me, trying to save themselves. At the same moment, I realized they didn't have anything for me here. They gave me context for this whole disaster, sure. By my class, my abilities, and skill, it was just as the description said. Class Solo. The Solo excels at what their name suggests. They are self-sufficient individuals who rely entirely on themselves. Their speciality lies in their capacity to act on their own. Their skills have a wide range of application and are not necessarily confined to any one field, only that whatever path chosen is walked alone. I was better off alone, without others to drag me down. I couldn't even argue the other side. It was clear as day. I was self-sufficient, able to traverse the terrain easily. I had an early warning system. I could take risks where others couldn't. The list went on. Alone, I had every benefit. I was a solo, and I was better off just so. Yet somehow, I couldn't stop staring at these people. The world had been a cruel place even before the apocalypse. I knew, because I was one such victim of that cruelty. Weren't these people the same? Thrust into an uncertain reality, they would sink or swim. Their lives were on the line, and while naive to expect that you be saved, could I really blame them? The original me stood up as first did the same. A mirror to our movements across distance between us. One nestled between roots, the other surrounded by strangers. A perfect reflection. Two choices before me, a path alone and one with others. The answer wasn't hard. I had the freedom to choose both, to choose my own path. I lend help and move independently. The more I thought of it, the more it felt right. They didn't have anything here worth permanently trying myself to, true. But I never had to in the first place, did I? A clone amongst a group of survivors wouldn't be wasted. It was another stream of information, another pick against a mountain of mystery brought upon by this apocalypse. It would help. And, in turn, I would help. By the other side of this coin, I could explore this new reality with open eyes. It was only a hunch, one that grew the past week in the swamp where colorful flowers and moss grew alongside dangerous predators and unfamiliar creatures. That this world brought as much wonder as danger. That amidst all the shadows I'd seen, there were rays of light between the storm. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the Tier 5 members, Marky, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnolds, Oakfield, Lord Azrakal, and it's difficult to pronounce. Thank you very much.